Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to Solo Rip Episode 7 here on the weekends where we have a little bit of extra time and we can consume this information where I got a little bit of extra time so I can rip on this information. And as always, we got an action-packed show for you today. We actually have a Mind Your Block segment today, a little bit different. Shout out to my my good friend here. He doesn't want to be doxxed, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, here on this topic, we want to talk about uh, John Calvallo versus Jeremy Rubin. Uh, it's not really a versus, but I like to think about it that way because um, Jeremy Rubin and BIP119 have kind of been all over the Twitter feeds and all over Bitcoin for the past few weeks now. Uh, and I wanted to get into a really nice post. Um, Rogan says the word Bitcoin and everybody starts to lose their mind. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, news from a little while ago, the Fed's raised the interest rates. Surprise. Bitcoiners are ready for this. Uh, we're going to have your mind, your block segment. We have the hash rate going through the roof, which is bad for some people, great for other people. Uh, and a really quick shout out to uh, happy birthday to Hal Finney, which is a legend in Bitcoin. Um, many would argue, as, as well I, that we wouldn't be here without him. Obviously, Satoshi is the concept creator, but Hal is a major impact on why Bitcoin even exists and even Bitcoin being around. So I'm going to cue the music here. We're going to cue the introduction here. And I'll see you guys on the other end of the intro. Talk soon. I also made the case for winning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. All right, all right, all right. We back, we back, we back. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to another episode of Talking to Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you the information you need to succeed and persist. This is once again, solo rip number seven. And uh, looking very forward to get through this quick, but meaningful and impactful information with y'all, as I always tend to do on these Saturday rips. Uh, first and foremost, today I'm recording this on Wednesday, May 4th. Happy birthday, Hal Finney. Uh, Hal Finney is a pioneer, a cypherpunk, uh, and fun fact, one of the, the, the first to receive, the very first Bitcoin transaction from Satoshi was received by Hal Finney. Um, I have a few notes here just to not mess this up, but how Finney gave us PGP encryption, reusable proof of work, um, and you know supported the Bitcoin project uh, when Satoshi stepped away and basically one of the early pioneers of everything that we talk about here every week and everything that we're seeing Bitcoin do. So very happy birthday to Hal Finney. Um, I'll be perfectly honest, and I need to get more versed on how history. I know the highlights and I know the basic stuff, but I couldn't go through my post today without noticing the impact that Hal does. And because Bitcoin has impacted my life in such a tremendous fashion, literally night and day from before I knew about Bitcoin to after I knew about Bitcoin, then a uh, super special happy birthday to Hal Finney. So we're going to continue there and we're going to jump into more Bitcoin talk, but controversial Bitcoin talk. We're talking about CTV. We're talking about BIP 119. I talked about it in the solo rip last week. Um, this is one of those things where it's like there's a side that's like, hell yeah, this is super cool and it's starting to go up. And there's a whole nother side, um, actually kind of the side that I'm leaning on here where it's uh, fucks no, we don't really need this type of thing. This thing is too 
uh, is being rushed basically and it's not really understood by most of Bitcoiners. So it shouldn't be adopted if the majority don't agree because remember, this is a consensus network and we all agree to this stuff. Um, yeah, it, it, this is really cool post here from uh, uh, Francis Paolo. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your Twitter handle here. Um, and it's basically just a screen cap of um, uh, of uh, John Calvallo basically speaking to Jeremy in the Bitcoin mailing list. I'm not a part of this mailing list, so it's always cool when I get um, when somebody else is and screen caps and it shares it with us. I'm sure it's public information. I don't think there's anything secret here, but since I'm not a developer, you know, why would I be in the in the mailing list trying to cause any trouble? We can do that on Twitter as it is. Um, but kind of just like skimming through here, you know, John reaches out to Jeremy directly here um, and basically just starts to say, you know, things that I think are obvious, but maybe I'm not in the weeds too much. The path to consensus is to propose things that everyone needs. The man comes from the market, not the designers. That's how he leads off here. And shout out to John. If you haven't checked out the episode with John Calvallo, it's one of my favorite episodes that we've had here on the main chain a few episodes. Uh, not here, but on the main chain a few episodes ago. I highly suggest you check it out. John is not only an o- not only an OG Bitcoiner, uh, but a well-spoken OG Bitcoiner that seems to understand you know, from experience where Bitcoiners seem to get snagged up on certain uh, um, like noise, if you want to call it that, and where some of the signal is. By all means, am I not saying, and I'm sure he would say this, that John is, you know, the 100% proof of all this and the, you know, the, the, the person we're supposed to be following. But in hearing John talking and speaking to John, I actually appreciate um, his transparency and I appreciate his view on things, especially once again, being an OG Bitcoiner. Uh, fun fact, I asked Jeremy Rubin um, to come on the show. Um, I actually met Jeremy a few times. I was able to record a few of his events and um, he didn't even answer the the tweet, uh, uh, the DM, I should say. I'm sure he's getting bombarded in his DMs uh, and, you know, maybe I'm not even on the radar as, you know, some, I saw somebody say that he should be on McCormick's podcast. Talking to Bits is not on that radar yet, even though I think the quality of the talks and the quality of the show in my opinion, it's much higher than McCormack's. But he got that audience. He got all that. Maybe Jeremy should go on there. I do think Jeremy should be on podcasts. A lot of Bitcoiners consume podcasts uh, as their main source of Bitcoin knowledge. And um, yeah, this is a, you know, if you're pushing this and you actually want this to go through, stop going on the fact that y'all should know that this is good and actually, you know, go on these podcasts and continue to explain yourself because if I didn't hear you explaining yourself, let's say in the Twitter spaces or something like that. Um, you know, maybe I should be able to hear you on a podcast at my convenience, so I could actually get this and I could actually rock with you or go or, or go against it. But you know, John goes on to to you know to go here a little bit later on and say there's no hope, capital letters hope, uh, to ever getting the majority of Bitcoin users to be able to grasp, audit, uh, meaningful co- uh, con- consent. To complicated new features, nor to assess how they may interact with existing features in, the, in an undesirable way. This is actually what I just finished saying right now, which is like, you know, I may not understand it. I'm not the most, you know, technical guy. I'm not working on these bips. I'm not coding in Bitcoin day in and day out. And I'm purposely admitting that. But, you know, you need to let the market kind of uh, um, decide you know, if what you're implementing is actually meaningful. And it can't just be the higher level market. It can't just be the smart people, the developers, although that's a big piece of it. It needs to be, everybody needs to kind of agree with it in a sense, right? This kind of goes back to the small blocks, uh, big blocks thing. So a lot of the exchanges and a lot of the the people that were 
that would be incentivized from having a bigger block, well, they were just trying to ram it down people's throat. But what about the guys like me that want to run a Raspberry Pi and still have a sizable blockchain, right? And still have a small computer with about a terabyte um, that can actually run this. You need to listen to us too, right? Like that that's the whole point of this whole thing. Uh, but I agree with Jeremy here. He goes on to tell him, you know, you're of course welcome to try and research and document all the details about how this plays out in practice, but you will fail to spe- uh, you, but you will fail to specify a path to approval or any sort of clear uh, governance structure for ensuring the speculative features get into Bitcoin. You will seek and only see a bias that allows you to get what you want. Until you focus on what everybody wants, um, you will not reach consensus on anything. Um, just to kind of skim this last section here, um, there is simply no urgency or problem that any of the proposed softworks features are trying to address. This includes APO, don't know what that is, CTV, sidechain proposal, et cetera, et cetera. Your aggression to your purpose is the antithesis of consensus as it indicates your incentives are external to it. Um, that's a mic drop. If I ever were to read one, if I ever were to uh, to say one, um, I, you know, as I said, like I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm definitely starting to lean towards that sense of it. Not because I wasn't out there and listening to Jeremy, um, you know, while I recorded those events, not because I'm not open for Bitcoin to grow and expand, but because the, the, the underlying thing that I continue to see over and over and over again is this shove down your throat type of aspect or approach to getting this done this like night and day thing of getting it done this like it better happen because it's good and blah 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 and i think john uh, articulated himself very well in here and i am going to leave a link so you can see this post most of you guys that follow me have already seen this post i'm not even going to go into the comments um there's a hundred uh, 46 quoted tweets here um yeah, so like this is a very fascinating thing that continues to play out here. But I do agree with one thing and one thing and, and one underlining thing here. If you're going to try to make drastic changes to Bitcoin that are not obvious, meaning like there isn't a security breach, there isn't, you know, um, anything wrong with like the, the signature of keys and how Bitcoin handles keys. If this doesn't need to be implemented right away, then there is no reason why time can't play itself out. You can continue to explain yourself on podcasts. You can continue to explain yourself um, to most of the users. I get it. 100% of the people are not going to roll with you at any point in time. I understand that. But the more and more you kind of go on and educate not only the developers and not only the technical people, but the basic node operators and things like that, the more likely you are to get the free market to decide that this is the thing. I don't know if that's... It sounds obvious to me. I don't know if that's obvious to everybody. I don't know if I'm making too light of a situation that's actually much bigger than this. Uh, so I don't want to be that. But that's where I'm going to close on this topic here. Um, very well articulated uh, write up from John. Um, and once again, shout out to John. Please listen to the episode because even while I was talking to him about things like different payment methods and how you know we have different lightning protocols and they need to line up, John is very transparent in his messaging, very clear in his messaging. Uh, and very experienced, um, not only, you know, being the CEO of Synonym, but his background all the way back to BitRefill. So, um, you know, Jeremy, the offer still stands. I know I'm not Peter McCormick, but I'm sure the listeners of this podcast would love to hear your explanation of BIP19 and 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 uh, 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 if, I, if I were to use a dumbed down version of it. And if you're not skilled in dumbing things down, then I think that's a problem in life. Never mind just Bitcoin, because a lot of this techno babble um, needs to be simplified for the masses 
Um, and, and, and that's apparent by the fact that people are still blown away by private keys and find that techie and difficult or whatever. So good luck to uh, to Jeremy uh, if that's where if that's where it needs to end up. Um, you know, good luck to John in, in that sense. But I think John kind of laid it out in the right channel, right? The mailing list and, and, and articulated himself to sound what, what I've been seeing the majority kind of reflect. So, um, yeah, you you follow up on it. You check in on it. Maybe you'll mind your block one day on this and we'll be able to talk about it a little deeper. I do want to hear more people's opinions because as this thing starts to play out, I hear really good arguments for it, but I always hear this like rush, shove down your throat uh, argument and, and that's just extremely strange to me. So let's move on from there. Finally, finally, Joe Rogan utters the word Bitcoin uh, in one of his shows. Actually, it was ironic. It was in one of his MMA episodes, uh, which is his side chain, if you want to call it that, episodes where he just talks, you know, about MMA into MMA fighters. Uh, but, you know, MMA fighters, just like other athletes, understand the value of Bitcoin. Uh, and, and Joe Rogan actually utters the word, you know, that basically saying, compares it to the internet, things that us Bitcoiners have been talking about, compares it to the internet and basically saying, they tried to stop that and look what happened. Uh, you're probably watching me on the internet. So the same thing with Bitcoin. They're trying to stop that or they're going to try to drop their digital dollar currency and Bitcoin will just continue to do what the internet did and just keep Pac-Manning, eating, 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 eating as it continues to, to, to go down this road. And, and for us to be able to experience this as Bitcoiners, we're extremely early um, and it's huge. I mean, it's more than 30 million plus now, but we all know Joe Rogan's audience to be a massive audience. Um, so for him to start uttering these words and start uttering these sentiments, um, it's going to get a lot of people's antennas up that weren't already on Bitcoin. And it's a huge, huge thing. However, and I love Joe Rogan, um, this doesn't mean anything to Bitcoiners that know this stuff already, right? Like this is one of those things where it's like we've, we we already know what's going on. Um, we need to stay focused is my gist that I'm trying to make here. Um, we get caught up, not me specifically, but a lot of the people get caught up with the celebrities when they utter Bitcoin, when they do this, when, you know, I remember talking in this episode before about Tom Brady. Uh, there's a lot of people that are now starting to roll into Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean that their incentives are lined up with ours with the ethos of Bitcoin. Um, a lot of these individuals, and this is not, I'm, I'm away from Joe Rogan now, not talking about Joe Rogan specifically, but there's a lot of these individuals that have figured out how to get in here, say some nice things. We all respond or the, or the Bitcoiners respond. They get a bag and then they go away. Right. And then, or, or they start shitcoining and they get the other bag and they get, and then the same people that are saying, oh, great, Joe Rogan doing this to do they're the ones that are going to be saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And this asshole and all that. The way you protect yourself from this is not pay attention to that, because I think that's a lot of noise. Do I appreciate that an audience of 30 million plus now know, you know, Bitcoin and, and, and now kind of roll with it and are at least have their antennas up? Of course, that's the same thing as Sailor talking on CNN and, and all these other places. That's the same thing. But I still have to stay focused. And I think y'all as well should stay focused because this doesn't really mean shit about shit. This basically just means that he's, he, he finally got a pain point that got pushed, right? Like whether it's he noticed, you know, what was going on around them or somebody came up to him and told him you're short Bitcoin, um, which I think Adam Curry has tried to tell Joe Rogan about Bitcoin all the time. A lot of people even speculate that Rogan has had Bitcoin in the bag since before before, right? Um, but... My point is, is that we don't need to run 
to the TVs or to the to the to the phones or to whatever. Every time a new celebrity brings up Bitcoin. Um, it's cool that those audiences are being exposed because that's what I do. I'm trying to expose people to Bitcoin, teach people about Bitcoin. Uh, but remember, have that same energy whenever he decides to do whatever he decides to do. I don't know if that's a rug pull. It could be. I don't know if it's chasing a bag. It could be. But y'all get invested so much that then when you hear that person or that celebrity's name tied to crypto, it basically turns you angry. It makes you like mob and all this stuff or whatever. Once again, the solution to that, stay focused on the prize. We're here for a mission that requires a higher position. So let's stick to that position instead of lowering ourselves or getting you know super groupied out whenever somebody big utters the word Bitcoin. Um, moving over from Rogan, hash rate continues to go through the roof. Now, <laughs> now, this is obviously great for Bitcoin security. We all know what the miners do and we all know what their purpose do. And there was a lot of forecasts before this year even started that this was going to happen. A lot of uh, public mining companies are coming on. They got the pockets to get a lot of hash rate. I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere around like the 250 trillion, probably 280 trillion or something like that by now. I just know as a home miner, that 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 the profits are getting low. The difficulty is going up. The profit, you know, what I'm getting back is getting low. That's the name of the game. We had Tarantula on a, a few times here, and I actually remember him explaining to me that it's like, well, that's actually it. That's the competition aspect of mining is is now my job to go find cheaper electricity so that it doesn't harm me as much. But you know. This hurts the home miners, but it's our job to now go find cheaper ways to get electricity, which makes it competitive. But do keep do, do note that this is not going to slow down. I mean, these mining companies and these public ones and these new ones that are coming on and, and, and even the older ones, man, they're not playing. They're coming in here and they're building like massive gigawatt facilities and they continue to do this stuff. They're working on stabilizing the grid, which is a lot more than me plugging in a few ASICs, you know, here at home. Um, but do keep in mind, sats are always flowing. But as that hash goes up, that difficulty is going to go up as well. And your home mining equipment is going to start to make less profit. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to lose profit right away. Um, but if it goes up, we're going to continue to see. Sorry, y'all. We're going to continue to see the profit go, uh, um, the profit diminish as well. That's not just for us uh, at home miners. That's these companies as well. They're going to have to keep finding cheaper electricity if they want to see their profits go up as well. That's the beauty of Bitcoin is that, you know, that difficulty adjustment is always adjusting every two weeks or so um, or every 2000 blocks or so. And that keeps the game competitive. Uh, once again, to circle back on what Tarantula was talking about on the podcast, uh, he was and go check out that episode. One of another great episode that we have here on the main chain. He was basically talking about that, like, well, now it's time to compete. Now it's time for you to go get natural gas or, or, or off grid wells or do this type of stuff to make sure that you're not losing out to these big ass companies that are coming in. Uh, but that shouldn't scare you away from continuously plugging in miners. I mean, there's still a purpose to this uh, non KYC sets. Um, even if it's at a premium, it's a really huge advantage. You're securing the network or aiding in securing the network. Um, and I've even seen a lot of these solo pools, a lot of these solo miners are starting to hit uh, more often than not. And that makes it uh, uh, kind of an incentive to just, you know, have a few machines doing the mining on one side, but then having other, you know, like one machine or so trying to get lucky and get that one block so you could get that six Bitcoin seems to be possible. So it's one of those things. Mining is always a game that continues um, with the difficulty and with the hash rate going up. Unless something happens like a, a ban like China or something like that, 
us home miners better start figuring it out because our profit is going to be less and less and less and less. So that's just, I wanted to bring up the hash rate there um, because I'm not going to lie. I've been looking at my, you know, what my miner keeps bringing in every single day and I'm starting to try to figure it out myself, right? Like, how is it that I come up on this? But even non-KYC sats at a, at a premium is still a, a fantastic offer for me. My miners continue to stay plugged in and I don't see that changing any time soon. All right. Those are pretty much the main topics that I had here. Um, speaking of mining, uh, we do have a mine your block segment. Um, I got my good friend here, and this is just a, an example of how um, friend of the show, uh, I'm not going to dox his name here, even though he kind of doxes himself, but his Twitter handle, Southside263, shout out to New Zealand, I believe, uh, is where Southside is at. So shout out to the global Talking to Bits listeners. We appreciate y'all. Friend of the show has been for a very long time, but he didn't want to come on the show and he didn't want to dox himself visually. And uh, I, I respect that. So this is just a, a reminder of what Mind Your Black segment is. Um, this is just an opportunity for you to get 10 minutes on the show for 10,000 sats. We give half of that 5,000 sats over to the to open sats, which contributes to open source development. The reason we have all these cool wallets and all this cool innovation. So uh, and then the other half comes to keeping the lights on and keeping this content going. Um, so um, Southside, I'm just going to keep saying Southside. Uh, Southside reached out to me in the DMs. He sent me his proof of Mind Your Block. If you guys are interested, you can come on and talk about Bitcoin. You can do what Southside did here and just give me a bunch of topics that I could kind of rant on and I could give my opinion on. Uh, either way, you get 10 minutes of showtime, whether it's talking to me, whether it's plugging what you're working on, or whether it's actually just asking some questions that you want to hear me rip on. Um, and it's for a good cause and for... Um, to continue the developer support. Uh, I post the proof of of payment at the begin at the first of every month of the previous month, just so you guys know. Um, last month we only got three, so it was a very low deposit, but every single set counts. Um, and I'm proud to be able to do that. So if you know somebody that wants to plug something or talk about Bitcoin with me, or if you just want to support the devs, or if you want to support talking in bits, um, you can definitely come on the show and mind your block. So I'm going to give the next 10 minutes here for a few topics here. Let me try to pull them up here. And then I'm going to go mine, uh, mine this block for Southside here. And then um, I should have been more prepared. My fault. We have... All right. So I'm going to try to rip through these questions. I'm, trying to, I'm going to try to make it 10 minutes. If I finish a question faster, it's to get to the next one. Uh, but I, I didn't want to pick one specific question because he handed me a handful of questions here. So why is Bitcoin so hard to understand for pre-corners? Well, it's because everybody gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve it, right? So the pain of the Bitcoin, uh, of pre-corners is not there yet. So they're still trapped in, you know, chase getting the bag or getting the fiat bag or, or you know, doing all this stuff or working. Um, so a lot of it is misinformation. But to be honest with you, and this is something I'm sure Southside, you could agree with is, is when you really get into like a maxi and when you really start talking to a maxi, which is what happens when pre-corners bump into a maxi, it kind of sounds way too good to be true. I mean, we have these stories about inflation and how hardest money of all time and how it's better than gold and how we traverse space and time. And then people have this bias, this thing where like they need to like kind of feel it and see it in their hand. So if I tell you something is better than gold, but then I tell you that you can't actually hold it, like it's on your device or it's on the blockchain, I can see where a lot of pre-corners are probably thinking, bullshit, man. Like you're trying to, this is a Ponzi scheme. This is baloney. This is a bunch of stuff. So 
you know, in my opinion, why is Bitcoin so hard to understand is because it's so good at what it does, solving money, right? That sometimes it seems very religious or, or, or very magic to a lot of people that don't really, that haven't done the homework and haven't done the orange pulling to understand it. So I'm not necessarily surprised at this question because I see it all the time, but I think that's my opinion on it. And, you know, the, 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 the more we dumb it down for pre-corners, I think the better off we'll be in, in that situation. So question number two is, why is financial literacy not taught in schools? Well, because it's tied to the, in my opinion, to the, the fiat spigot, to the government, right? So financial literacy is not taught in schools because in my opinion, especially in public schools, don't have any experience with private schools. They want you to, they want to kind of want to train you to be the sheep, right? Like they, they actually, you know, if you really look at the, the, um, uh, if you compare like the day of, of a nine to five working adult to the day to a, a student, it's kind of the same. You have to wake up, you have to get to a certain place on time, you have to punch in, you have to do your very best so they could give you some soft responses on why you're doing better or why you're escalating or, or why you're improving and all this stuff. And it's really just a system that's tied to that. So what you do is, is after 12 you know, grades of doing that over and over again and then maybe some college, well, guess what? You're geared, you're primed, and you're ready to rock and roll to go do that for a fiat job, which as we know, you know, taxes and the government wants you to do is basically training to be a sheep. So why would they teach you to empower yourself if they kind of want you to be a sheep, right? And then if they teach you about the stock market and they teach you about all this stuff, well, that whole industry collapses. And that's like the financial advisor business and all that stuff. So um, there's a lot of reasons why I don't think it's taught in school. But, you know, it's basically because that curricula curriculum and a, a lot of different avenues, as we've been seeing lately with the woke culture, that curriculum is not designed to help you. That curriculum is designed to teach you how to be a sheep, how to be a taxable human being, how they can drain your energy, not only for the life of the school, but for the life of everything, right? So that's my opinion on why financial literacy is not taught in school. Uh, how has Bitcoin changed your life? Um, yeah, he says, miss me with the safety meat diets. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I say uh, Bitcoin has changed my life because it's lowered my time preference. Um, I talk to I tell my wife this all the time. Like before, both my wife and I were working nine to five jobs and we couldn't seem to get over a hump of being able to store more than about two thousand dollars worth of value. I mean, like every time we got to, it, was, it seemed like this invisible mark that was you know, set on us, you know, just to curse us. Every time we saved up about $2,000, an expense would come up, like a house expense or a car expense, or, you know, we have kids, so a kid's expense. Something would come up and we would have to tap right into that $2,000 and start that saving cycle all over again, right? And then when I learned about the stock market, I started pumping money into that. But that was such a slow climb because you're not really getting the results that you were getting in the you know years before in the previous market for a bunch of other reasons. So Bitcoin has changed my life because now I know that every little bit of piece of energy, every little bit of piece of wealth that I put away into Bitcoin, I have secured, right? And when you add that to number go up technology, well, we start to skyrocket and that just lowers your time preference. It makes you better as a parent. It makes you better at, to yourself. It makes you better as a worker because you know 
that your wealth is not being devalued. And that's just one thing. Sure, safety in his diets, that's another thing, right? We 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 learn about fiat foods and we learn about school and, and, and anything tied to the fiat spigot. And um, so Bitcoin has changed my life in numerous different ways when it comes to how I see pharmaceuticals. Uh, I come from, you know, my previous fiat job was in healthcare. So how that game is being played in insurances, uh, the real estate game and all this stuff, you start to see it when you get orange pilled, right? But the real underlining thing that it did for me, it made me not discount my future and think about 10 to 15 years ahead of time and what I want to leave my kids and how I want to leave this world and, and how I can do this show at a loss. Because as I explained to you and when we were talking, I do this show at a loss because I care so much about it um, and, I, and about educating, about talking about Bitcoin. So it, it really just lowered my time preference here. That's the main thing here. Um, number four, why does Bitcoin make some plebs don't trust verify every motherfucking thing? Well, similar to what we were talking about, because we're tired of being lied to, right? Before Bitcoin, we've always been lied to, but it was one of those things where you either act like it's not happening or you bite the bullet because there's no other way to rebel against it or to go against it. So, you know, once we figure out and we've seen the examples like the, the big ones like Mount Gox and all this other stuff, we start to understand that we need to be verifying more things in life because a lot of people, especially when they're tied to fiat, I, I would argue the more tied to fiat they are, the more bullshit artists they are. I mean, look at the uh, influencers in the space that are supposed to be Bitcoin only. Think about like the Jay Wills and the Pompleianos and those people or whatever. Well, if you don't verify those people, you get fucked because all they want to do is steal your, your bag, right? And and that's where, you know, it's not just... It, it, Bitcoin makes you do it, but it should be a rule in life. You should be verifying the information that you get. When you're reading about history, you don't just take the word of one book. You read a bunch of books on a topic and then you verify by referencing what's alike and what's not. So Bitcoin is just... Bitcoin just makes that extreme, right? And makes us very curious about who we're talking to and, and, and what we're trusting. But I would argue that, you know, the fiat industry has done that on its own. That's not even Bitcoin. It's just something that comes along with just being lied to over and over again. Uh, an easy example is, is the get, you know, lose weight in six week thing. Baloney. They've been stealing people's monies for years. Another one is your favorite cell phone carrier. I mean, how many years in a row can you see AT&T, T-Mobile and Verizon here in the United States continuously say back to back to back that they're the best and that they have a, a an award that says that that's the case or so. That's a bunch of bullshit and that's why we need to verify. If I want to know if Verizon is the best, there's ways to verify that. I don't need to take their word for it. And that's why Bitcoiners do that. I actually think it's a healthy thing in life. I don't think it's just a Bitcoin thing. Um, does Bitcoin unlock the BS filter? Ask Pompeiano and ask Jason Williams. Of course it does. I can tell your motives by how you behave and how you act, right? So uh, Bitcoin and value for value is a reason why I'm not here shilling advertisements to y'all. Right. And if I was, you'll be able to detect that BS. If I was telling you that Ledger's the wallet to get and that Ledger's the sponsor to the show and that Compass Mining is, the, you would be like, look, man, you're full of shit because Bitcoin has already exposed that. And then you would judge me a certain way or you would not watch the show. Or strangely enough, you're just going to keep watching the show because I there's a bunch of podcasts that are still supporting those two those two companies that I just named. And nobody seems to give a fuck. Right. So it, it's one of those things. Actually, listen to the, the episode that just dropped this week with Stackamoto. And we kind of get into that where it's like, get it how you eat and get it how you do it. But yeah, it, it, I'm going to call BS when I see it. And Bitcoin has a really good way of showing that off. So we're approaching the 10 minutes here. Um, I hope I answered all those questions for you. You had some bo bonus stuff. Um, 
bonus stuff here. Um, I, I, you know, I want to give respects to the 10 minutes and I want to wrap up this show because I want to keep it concise. Um, I don't think Sailor's the most bullish Bitcoin bull, but that's just my opinion. A lot of people think he is. Um, I, you know, you, you listen to this episode, these episodes before. Um, and I do think Odell is probably the king of privacy, uh, but there's probably more incognito Bitcoiners that, are that, you know, basically teach Odell the stuff that he teaches us. Um, Hey man, Southside, I appreciate you donating to the show, man. I appreciate you offering these questions so I can rip on them. Um, and this is just a reminder for y'all to list, that are listening that you don't necessarily have to come on the show. You can support the devs, you can support Talking in Bits, um, and you can, you know, basically ask some questions and, and, and allow me to rip if you respect my opinion or not. Or you could just come on the show as we discuss. So that wraps up solo rip number seven. That wraps up the Mind Your Block segment. Uh, uh, for this week here and I wanted to remind y'all that you can catch the show on Bitcoin TV uh, that's where we preferably want you to go because that's where Bitcoiners hang out and, and we, we we need to you know uh, appreciate and promote those platforms over the other ones but if you do want to catch us on YouTube these episodes are posted on YouTube as well we appreciate your support anywhere you watch us because it just shows us that you're in tune with us and that you're getting this information when it comes to audio this show is completely value for value uh, meaning that there is no advertisements here. And the only way that the, the show continues to go is where contributions from Southside and a bunch of our, our, our you know, our, our loyal listeners. Um, so if you haven't done that, or if you just want to experience, experience and experiment with Lightning, Fountain is the way to go do that. You can load up a wallet really quick with some sets, and then you can just stream us, you know, either per minute, or you can give us a nice little boost and let us know how much you like this content. So go check out Fountain. But conversely, just like the video, you can definitely get us on Spotify. Matter of fact, on Spotify, you get the video and the audio. I just showed somebody that a few weeks ago. Um, Apple Podcasts, all those other places, you can go check us out there. Uh, Talkingandbits.com is the central hub where all the information lies. You could also catch the video there. Um, you can, you know, donate there, uh, Bitcoin or Lightning sets. Uh, and we appreciate you guys as always. That wraps up solo rip number seven. I'll see y'all on the main chain coming up in the next few weeks. We got some dope interviews and dope conversations coming up. And as always, on these Saturday mornings where we have all this extra time, uh, you guys allow me to rip and I'll bring you another solo rip next week, hopefully with a mind your block. All right, guys, signing off. Later. Later.